everybody, it's Dave Rosendahl. Welcome back to another episode. We are now going to start a three-part series that I'm really excited to bring you. This is a series, it's going to be a panel discussion that is specifically focused on helping agencies, commercial printers, and any other marketing services company learn how to market, sell, and build what we call opti-channel campaigns. Now, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about opti-channel before. It's this idea that companies these days, brands today, need to engage with their audience in the channels where that audience is attentive. And there's a whole strategy and philosophy behind that. That's what we do here at Mindfire. That's what our software helps companies do. But yet, we often find that organizations don't know how to start. So from a commercial printer's perspective, or even an agency's perspective, they understand these ideas, but how do you actually get started? It's even more important, I think, for our commercial print friends. One of the things that we often talk about with folks in commercial print is that, look, you may view yourself as a print company, but what I humbly argue to you, Mr. or Mrs. Printer, is that you're actually in the communications business. And that's a very, very important shift in how companies need to look at themselves, especially those in commercial print, and if you agree with that premise, then what you're going to hear from this panel is going to be very interesting. What happened is a few months back, Kevin Thomas, he's the COO of Firespring, sent me an email and said, hey, love to learn how other printers and other agencies are selling opti-channel services. How are they marketing? How are they selling them? How are they building them? And I thought, okay, I know plenty of people you can talk to, but would you be willing to do this out in public? And what I meant by that is, would you be willing to do this in a webinar, in a live series where you join me and we pull a panel together and I help you go back and forth and pull this information out of other practitioners who are hands-on, who are actually doing this stuff. So this episode that you're about to hear, this is the first one in the series where we're gonna focus on how do you actually prepare your organization to offer these services to clients? And you'll hear, for example, one very interesting thing is that there is a key role, a key person, that you must have. It was echoed by all three panelists and you're gonna hear them all say the same thing. So you'll hear what steps they took to get their organization ready. How did they organize their team? What was this key role that they needed to fill? As you listen to this, if you have questions, you'll find my cell phone number in the show description. Feel free to text me your question there and let me know what questions you have about what the panel is describing. If there's anything on your mind that would be helpful to know, I wanna hear that and I'd love to be able to help get you those answers. Also, you'll find a link to the video for this interview in the show description as well. So you can click that and go watch the video if you'd like to see Mike Robinson from Summit Direct Mail, CC Smith from Toolbox Studios, and David McNerney from Think Patented, along with Kevin Thomas from Firespring. You ready to get started? This is the first part in the three-part series. You're gonna hear from this incredible panel in this episode, and then in another episode, you're gonna hear session two which is focused on how do you market and sell these services, something that everyone wants to know. And then in the third session, you're going to hear how to build these campaigns in a way that deepens your reach into these organizations and wraps your tentacles around different parts of the business in order to create a stickier relationship with the customer. All right, let's get started. So, Kevin, thank you for allowing us to do this in public with the community. And I wanna say, Welcome to you. Take a moment to say hello to everyone, and then I'm going to introduce Mike, Cece, and David. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. And, and what a pleasure it is to be uh, on this panel today. And thank you 
the other panelists, of course, for allowing me to just selfishly pick all of your brains and hopefully uh, get us unstuck. When I sent David the email, essentially that was it, is that we we have known that opti-channel marketing is the direction we need to go. It's what our clients need, but we've been really slow in being able to execute. And we often are using a lot of disparate technologies, whether it be certain things through Pardot, and it's just, it's all over the place. And so MindFire has the technology that should allow us to be able to pull that all together. But we've just, for one reason or another, have not been able to effectively get things set up and get things rolling. And it's an area of our business that we are incredibly bullish, but we've got to get it figured out or we're going to continue to embarrass ourselves in front of clients. So thank you all in advance for the wealth of knowledge I'm about to get. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, thank you for allowing us to do this in public, like I said. And uh, let me now introduce the panel. So I'm going to start with Mike and then go to Cece. And uh, David, so Mike Robinson, who you see here on the screen, is the Director of New Business Development and Technology at Summit Direct Mail. I've known Mike probably for about 15 years now, and along with John Barber, Ben Shank, and around 200 other committed people at Summit, I've had a chance to watch behind the scenes as they've grown uh, to around $45 million in revenue. They were founded in 2003, so they've done that in relatively short order. I've seen them grow through acquisition, organic growth. They've got an impressive array of technology. They've got two HP Indigo 7600 presses, two Screens Easy BDP presses. They've got a Screen HD press, the beautiful Konica Minolta KM1. Mike, I think you have another uh, Screen HD press coming in November. And so just an impressive array of technology. And uh, in fact, last year, it was cool to have that inside view, Mike, as you and the organization achieved another milestone, which was when you did the asset purchase of the Hart Hanks direct mail division. So just inspiring to watch. I'm lucky uh, and honored to consider you a friend, and I'm glad you're here with us today. Mike, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Dave. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. And Cece, who is also here on the panel today, is the president and chief strategist at Toolbox Studios. Cece, I think I first met you I'm saying around 10 years ago, but you've probably got a better memory than I do at a D-Scoop event. And I think you were right around the start of your journey into OptiChannel. And I recall you and your husband were trying to figure out how to expand and grow your family print business. I'll let you tell more of that story here in just a moment. But over the years, I've really enjoyed being able to watch you as you lead your organization into becoming what I would really consider a full service design, media, digital content agency. But as you've done that, you've never lost sight of, at least in my view, the power that print has in the OptiChannel mix. So I'm really excited to have you here on the panel. I'm so glad we met. I'm inspired by your passion whenever we have a chance to talk. And so welcome to the panel. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm always excited about being here with you guys. It's always inspiring, even though we've been doing it. It's been about 10 years. You're right. And every time I'm here, I learn something new. So it's one of those things where it's bringing the community together. is such a great and powerful thing that we can all benefit from it. Even if we're already doing it, it makes you remember things. Maybe you've gotten slow on or whatever, but it's always good. So thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. And and last and certainly not least, and then we're going to jump right into the questions. I'm going to help Kevin very important things out of this panel here, but I want to introduce David, who you see here on the screen. David is the vice president of sales and marketing at Think Patent. He's also a partner there. He's on the uh, board of DScoop, on the board of many organizations, including many nonprofits. And he's heavily involved in all aspects of growing 
think patented. They've got over 100 employees. I know that they do a variety of uh, different things for their clients, a lot of different print-related technology, all around driving ROI for their clients, whether that's through direct mail, data analytics, digital, wide format, conventional printing, one-to-one -one marketing strategies, print-on-demand, web-to-print, fulfillment solutions, promotional items, and the list goes on. David, I know you've worked closely with Joe Manos, who's also here over the years. It's an honor to be able to hang with you and have you on the panel today. How are you doing? Doing well today. Thank you for having me, David. Look forward to hearing what all the other panelists have to say. <laughs> As am I. Now, remember, folks, I'm going to start this off here in just about uh, 20 seconds here. So get ready. You're going to hear some really interesting things from the panel here. But I want you to remember that the conversation that we're having today is the first of three. And so when Kevin sent me that dude email, I was, I was looking at it and thinking, oh my gosh, there's just so much here. How are we ever going to cover this in an hour? And so I decided, you know what? We're going to break this up into three sessions. The first one, which you're at today, is how do you get started in this world of, world of OptiChannel as you're looking to roll this out to your clients? How do you get started? What kind of people do you need? And then in about two weeks' time, we're going to gather again, and we're going to talk about how do you market? How do you sell these services to your clients? How do you engage your market be able to offer them this kind of campaign service. And then in the third session, we're going to look at how do you build profitable ongoing relationships with your clients by getting deeper into their business, by tying more of this digital technology into their business. And you can see we've got an incredible panel lined up for you. What we've done is we found people within our community that are experts in each of these areas and who will bring you a wealth of knowledge. So if you are interested in attending those other events, please let us know in the chat. I want to make sure you get on the list. And, uh, or if you want somebody else in your organization to attend, let us know that as well. And uh, we'll make sure that they get here. So with that, what I'm going to do now is I am going to bring us uh, into the panel discussion here. Kevin, I think I'm going to start with you first. Uh, and you already gave us a little bit of insight into this just a moment ago. But would love for you to take us back to when you sent me that dude email. and. I just want to know what was going on in your head. I think you've already alluded to it a bit, but in what ways were you trying to figure out how to grow FireSpring? What led to that question? Because I think that there are probably many who are in a similar state here in the audience. And I'd just love for you to talk a little bit about that so we have context for the questions that you're about to ask. Yeah, I, again, I think the client demand is there and we've continued to struggle with trying to bring it all together. And as I mentioned, it seems we have myriad technologies that we're continuing to deploy to try and tackle some of these campaign-driven drip campaigns. And we haven't been able to really to bring it all together in a single source. So we often have teams that are very good with email marketing. We have a team that's very good with direct mail, but we haven't been able to pull those two teams together in a way that is cohesive. And so that's really where I, I see the opportunity in working with MindFire. But for a number of reasons, we have not been able to execute with the technology as well as I'd like to. So that was what prompted it is, is often I'm a see it, hear it type of person. So I, I like to, peer groups are a big part of this. I like to interact with other uh, agencies and printing companies to learn how they're doing it, especially if I'm in a non-competing market. And so that's what drove it. And I knew I've known David for quite some time. So I knew I need go no further than the hit your email box. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So let me try to tease this apart here now by understanding from Mike, Cece, and David, we'll go in that order. 
if you can take us back to when you started offering OptiChannel to your clients, first of all, when was that roughly? And what was going on in your heads or what was going on in your business when you decided to endeavor in this journey? Some people describe it as this epiphany moment when they realize that they need to take their organization in this direction. So I would love to hear from you. Let's start with you, Mike. Take us back to that first moment. What was going on in the business at that time? So it's probably been about 2008 or 2009. And we started getting more people interested in color personalization. We're probably a little different than most of the other panelists. We're a straight up, we start, we are a straight up print and direct mail provider that then offers other, other products. I know a lot of everybody, everybody else can print and mail, but you guys have a lot more full suite of services, digital teams, et cetera. But Back in 2008, 2009, they started, people started coming to us wanting to do, and we were looking at color personalization. We were able to do high volume, millions at a time with black personalization. At that point in time, we bought an Indigo Press. And when we bought the Indigo Press, we had got introduced to DScoop, and then through DScoop, and I think somewhere in that general area day, maybe obviously a little bit before, we ran into you guys talking a little bit about adding personalized URLs to and landing pages to a direct mail piece. And we started looking at it and we thought it was a good opportunity, a good idea. We're already doing the mail. We had now the ability to do color personalization. And then we, we brought you guys in and started offering that first component, the personalized URL to some of the mail pieces. So is that around the time you got your first Indigo? It was. Okay. Okay. What about for you, CC? I heard Mike just mentioned DScoop, and I think that's where we first met was at DScoop. So if you can take us back to that first time when this thought entered your head or when you had this, this epiphany around, hey, this is the direction we need to go, what was happening in your business around that time? So I had just, I had taken some time off to be mom for a while, and then I decided to come in and just help out in the, the printing company uh, in Smith Print. And when I got in there, my husband was like giving me away like a set of steak knives. Oh yeah, Cecil, write your brochure. She, yeah, she'll do that for you. She's got a marketing background. And I'm like, wait a minute, people pay for this kind of stuff. And so I started really looking at what we were doing from print. And it was just like uh, nothing against what my husband did because he built a great business. And we've been in business now 26 years, but it was, we were taking orders and we were definitely going out and, and developing it, but we were just selling print. And I had a colleague that talked to me about this variable data, this, you know, personal URLs, all this customization and all of that. And just at the same time, we started thinking about doing, we, we hadn't had a digital press. We, we met with all of them and we ended up going with an Indigo and we had a little baby 3,500. And <laughs> it was, and then of course they gave me a free trip to DScoop, which I was like, okay. And I got the postcard. And of course I put it in the recycling bin and then I got an email and then I'm like, wait a minute. And I started looking at it. And I started realizing what was going on. And so I started engaging in the Mindfire campaign. And uh, some people call it creepy, but I call it great marketing, what we do. And I just started seeing everything that was going on and the nurturing that you did. The minute I walked into the hotel and I just loved it. And man, I just, I could not wait to get to your guys' booth. And literally I knew that was a game changer for us, for Smith Print. And I remember calling my husband and going, I just did this. And he goes, you did what? And I said, we're going to a new level. And he's like, okay. And we've been with you guys ever since. So that's what it was really the understanding of that. We couldn't grow our printing company the way we wanted it to without incorporating marketing and all these other new tools that were to our disposal. And so the, the timing was, was perfect. Kevin, for you, and you might hear this echoed in response to some of the other questions you asked, but I think what Cece just said is important and for the community as well. 
he experienced what an opti-channel campaign looks like and what it feels like. And so one of the things that we often recommend to the community is make sure that you're giving your customers the opportunity to experience it as well. Fortunately, she experienced it organically, but there's certainly demo sites and other things that that we can do to um, help our customers, help our prospects experience it. CC, what year was that? Was that roughly 10 years ago? Am I right in my recollection? I, I don't know, Joe. Would do, I, think yeah. it, I think it was about 10 years ago. I, I think it okay. was. It was in Washington, okay. D.C. I know that much. Okay, so. good memory. All yeah. right, David, let me ask you the same question. What was going on at Think Patented when you first made the move or when the organization first made the move into offering these services to clients? Sure. The, the short answer was probably about 10, 11 years ago. But even prior to that, when the organization, the current ownership bought the, the company in 2006, our belief was we weren't just a printer, right? Our belief was we had to provide more value to our clients. And, and so that started us on our transformation into fulfillment and some of the other services that were just, we'll say, bolt-ons to or add-ons to, to print. But in that 2007, 8, 9 area, we started offering a lot of marketing portals, or we'll say print-on-demand sites. And for us, that was that maybe that moment that, all right, there's more to just print, more than ink on paper. And so that evolution in the print-on-demand space led us into what else? And so we came into the MindFire world, both on our own, but also at that time, we were starting to go through some acquisitions. So we acquired another organization that had already been using MindFire, which we were just babes in the woods when we brought, came into MindFire. Then we acquired another organization. And when we brought those two together, we really took off. Fantastic. Thank you, David, for that. I, I remember that acquisition. And that's often the case where we see, especially now, organizations coming together and complementing one another with these skill sets and with these technologies. So thanks for reminding me of that. I had actually forgotten that. All right, Kevin, now I'm going to turn the floor over to you, my man. Why don't you go ahead and fire off your first question there? All right. So out of curiosity, once you committed to offering this to your clients, what, what was the first step? What's the first thing you did? And what were some of the immediate changes that you needed to make? So first and foremost, you've got to have a champion. You have to have a champion that understands it inside and out, that gets it. Not how it works or how you program something, but Cece was saying, I think that just got what it really could do for the client. Not you know how it works, but what it can ultimately do for the client. So you've got to have that person. You've got to have that champion or, or even beyond champion. They're just constantly carrying that flag because you've got a sales team that doesn't understand it, that it's a totally different sale. So you have to have that person. To me, that's the number one thing. What about you, CC? I agree with David. Um, absolutely. You have to have a champion because it's very easy to push it to the side, go, oh, we've got this big room, we got this big project, and we'll deal with that later. And you have to have a champion who thinks about how to sell it at a different level because, and this is probably one of the other questions, but one of the biggest mistakes you'll make is selling it to the same person that's buying your printing. That's not who you need to talk to when you're selling this tool. And so the first thing we did, I was that champion. So we jumped ahead and literally the first thing we did was we started our own campaign. We, we started using it. And that was when we had Look Who's Clicking. And we started that and it was fun and it was creative. And we it all culminated in an open house to show off our new Indigo. And that was the first thing I'm like, okay, let's get a campaign going and let's get this going. And that's that was the, the first thing we did. So... And what about you, Mike? I was a champion and- And you still are. 
Yeah, I still am. And we did it a little bit differently. So since I was a champion and David's right, you've got to have that champion, but then you've got to have these people that can actually, once they do it, push it. Us being a print and direct mailer, we didn't have that. I was the champion and I was basically stuck with, okay, I got this really cool product. What am I going to do with it? And when you say, what did we do first? The first thing we did was obviously we started using your products. Then we partnered with you guys. And we said, look, we don't know what the heck we're doing as far as best practices, et cetera. You guys do. We know how to print and mail. So what we're going to do, the first thing we actually did was we started offering it to our clients at no cost. There's an expense to it, but at the end of the day, there is a value. You say, look, let's say someone wants to do a 100,000 piece campaign. We'll say, hey, look, what we're going to do is we'll do one of two ways. Either you're going to do 25,000 pieces with a pearl, the other 75,000 pieces without We'll do the 25 at no cost and we'll see how it goes. Once you hit that and that it can ROI out, the next step is we'll then we'll then roll it out and here's your cost to do that. And we, again, we started it with these clicking as well and it ramped up pretty darn quickly, became very successful. And like I said, you guys were basically our team that handled it for us. Kevin, before I go to my question, uh, my next question here, I want to give you a chance to probe each of their replies. Any follow-ups on those? I think finding the champion is accurate or well taken. I think in most of these cases, in two of the cases anyway, with Cece and Mike, you're both the champions. If it wouldn't have been you, I guess my question might be, at what level do you foresee that champion being? Or maybe, David, you have a different champion within your organization where is that a account executive? Is that an internal resource of some sort? If it weren't you, if it's not going to be me, for example, who would you suggest? What type of person would you suggest to be that champion? So for us, we probably have two. It's myself with the sales team, but then I have essentially a product manager that their job is to know all the capabilities of what MindFire can do and really be well-versed on the Opti channel, just the mindset. But that person also has an understanding beyond just how it can be used, has a little bit of an understanding of how the, the software works and the real capabilities in the behind. So they can speak a little bit of both languages, right? Both internally to maybe developers, but externally to a client. So they're my product manager that is being brought on the sales calls with the sales rep. So the sales rep finds someone that raised their hand, thinks there's some interest. This person comes in and now he is not, or she is not a salesperson. They're a product expert. So the customer is looking at that person in a totally different light. And the conversation changes from a uh, sales guy selling me something to we're solution building here. Thank you. This is Mike. For me, again, being a direct mail provider, we have a lot of old school people in our industry, in our company, or we did at that point in time. So if, if it wasn't going to be me, it would have been having to be somebody that was as aggressive as I was internally to push this product. Because for me in direct mail, again, there's still a lot of old school direct mail people in, there were at that time in our company, but all they understand is printing, mailing, putting ink on paper, putting an envelope in it putting it in an envelope and getting it out the door. If you were looking to change something, we would get big pushback. So at some point, if it wasn't me being the champion, I, we would have had to have somebody else be the champion that was as aggressive, and, and Dave knows how aggressive I am with some of this stuff, as aggressive as, as I am in this to truly push it. And, if, and they can't take no internally as an answer because it is a good, solid solution. 
and it needs to be implemented. Other people in our departments, they don't, they know what they know. They know all I know. I processed this data. I do this. They don't truly that point in time understood the ability to combine all of these different pieces whatever you do on your side it's just someone who needs to be pretty aggressive obviously understand the product like david said and truly push it bug them till they buy as dave and i've always talked about in some of the previous meetings that we've had to our internal team so kevin let me give you an observation uh, of something i've noticed of of mike robinson specifically uh, kevin before i ask my next question i'm going to ask you a question then i'm going to give you an observation of mike so, Kevin, do you have a champion at FireSpring right now? What I have is about 10 partial champions. So okay. I, I really don't have that one product owner even in the moment. So that is absolutely valuable feedback. And that's the that begins on Monday. Okay. Okay. That's number one. Observation about Mike Robinson. And I know this is true from Cece because of her positional authority. I don't know necessarily about David. Maybe Joe Manos can weigh on this, but let me give you an observation about Mike. One of the things that I think has made Mike successful as that champion that might help you in your situation, Kevin, is that he has the stamp of authority from ownership, let's say, that says, you know what, whatever Mike says, he's calling himself tenacious, but he also has the stamp of approval from ownership saying, whatever Mike says is going to happen, whatever Mike says we need to do, we do it. And so one observation I have, I think that's made Mike successful is that champion would have your blessing, Kevin, and you would tell the rest of the organization, look, whoever this is that you're putting in that position needs to have your backing and complete authority to be able to affect change in that way. What do you think about that? I, I'm all on, I'm all in. Absolutely. We want to empower all of our team members as much as we can. I'm just excited to find this person. I've, I have, I'm already, my mind's already spinning. I've got two or three people that are popping, popping up in my head where I believe they'll grab onto this, but they have not been really directed to make this a priority. Yeah. And so once we do that there, I think they will absolutely have a, I don't want to say a blank checkbook, but I would say they would have all the autonomy they need to make decisions and get this up and going. Mike, let me, um, let me turn back to you with a question here. And then Kevin, I'll, I'll open up for your next one. But Mike, if you can help Kevin by talking about a mistake, let's say that you made in the first year or first few years of rolling this out to clients, what's something that you would advise Kevin to carefully consider so that he doesn't make a mistake perhaps that you made early in your journey? Something come to mind? Uh, yeah. And I think he's a little bit different. But for me, like I said before, we were a traditional direct mailer. And so the challenge for us, and maybe what I should have done was maybe push it more or push it harder that we were a solution provider, not just a mailer that offered these services. That was, a, I don't want to say it was a mistake. I didn't know what I didn't know. But if you're a direct mailer, and it's still a challenge now, but being a direct mailer, when you go in and say, hey, I can print and mail for you, but oh, I've got this product and this product, being a direct mailer sometimes doesn't add that validity of, hey, he's a digital marketer, he's this, he's that, he's these other components. Sounds like, I know CC does, and it sounds like Kevin does as well. We didn't have that, and we still don't probably as fully as they do have that. So probably the biggest mistake or the thing that I would change is the way I would sell it as me being more of a solution provider, because it's our name, Summit Direct Mail. You're a direct mm -hmm. mailer. We've toyed with the idea of potentially changing it to direct marketing, things of that nature to give me a well-rounded look, but that would probably be, it'd probably be the comment that I would make. 
DC, I know that you have no problem being vulnerable uh, with me and the couple hundred people that are here. What's a mistake that you think you made early on in the process that you would advise Kevin to circumvent? I would say there's actually two. One is when I came back from D-Scoop and I was like on fire and I was like, we're going to do this. This is all exciting. And I told my husband, I was like, okay, we'll make some appointments, blah, blah, blah. And he took me into all the people he knew and they were the wrong people. They, the right people to buy print, not the right people to invest in a marketing solution. Because when you sell a marketing solution, you're talking about return on investment. I will tell you, I have sold hundreds of these and never once, and I mean this, is God is my witness. Never once have I had somebody say, wow, that's, that's a lot for that print piece. Never once has print, the cost of my printing been questioned because you're talking at a different level. You're talking about a return on investment. You're talking about measurement. You're talking about, did it work? Did it not work? The second mistake I made was assume this is a, you know what they say when you assume it makes a ASS yep. out of me. Sure. I assumed the salespeople were going to follow up. Hey, here's a lead. This person is a hot lead. Go get it. And they're like, I don't have time. Or, oh, I called him and I didn't get an answer. So assuming that the salespeople knew how to follow up with these leads within the organization was another mistake with the clients that we worked with. That was a big aha for me because we're all successful. We're all working hard. We know how to sell, right? We understand you've got to follow up. But when the people that are in your ranks, nothing against them, but they've already got a mindset. So you've really got to make sure that your client or your own people are following up and understanding that this isn't just fishing and getting a fish and walking away to the next one. It's about nurturing that relationship. It's a mm-hmm. long-term thing. And uh, that was probably the big, biggest mistakes that I made at the beginning. David, what about you? What would you yeah. say is a key you know, thing that you would advise Kevin in his spot right now to... So I think it, it goes back to a little bit what Cece was saying, thought that salespeople would just follow up on it. I want to say the mistake was we thought we could train every sales rep to get this. And so one thing I subscribe to is the psychology of sales, right? And there's all these, you know, there's personality, personality tests and all that good stuff. Not every sales rep, this is a different sale from print is tangible. This is hmm. an intangible sale. Some personalities just can't grasp selling something intangible. So if they don't know how some of the print reps, if they know how dots go on paper or you know how I'm going to insert something by machine with the dots and whatnot, they get that, they can sell it. If they don't understand and can't give you a guarantee, I'm dropping this in the mail and this is exactly what it's going to produce for you, they, they just can't grasp that. So you've got to think about, at least for us, it took us back to said, Say that's why we needed that champion to get it. And then it also caused us to look at who are some of the salespeople that we're going to invest in to really maybe go after uh, clients with this product. The others will still support should something come up. But the reality is you're not going to change everyone on your team. And so don't waste that energy. All right. So for me, I think that's probably the biggest thing we've really figured out. The other thing is that instead of going into selling a product, you need to go in and talk about why you should market. And oh, by the way, I have a tool that we can use to help you market. It's a different, it's a different way of selling. You're absolutely right, David. It is not, you're not going in and taking an order. It's you're asking them to think about marketing and you just happen to have the tool to help them do that. I agree with that as well. Cause I can't tell you of all the, we've done a ton of campaigns and obviously I've sold a bunch of them myself, but I can't tell you how many other uh, sales guys that I've gone into with them 
to sell it, to drive that side of it. Dave, we've got a client right now that Ben is the, Ben is a sales guy on it and he knows it almost as well as I do. Back then he didn't. And I was their additional reason. So I wasn't the sales guy. I was more the subject matter technology expert on that side of it. And it's, as you know, with that client, it's significantly grown and helped, uh, helped us with that account. Kevin, I want to give you a chance to probe their replies there before we move on to your next question. Do you have any? I think it's incredibly valuable. I could have used maybe this feedback about a year ago because the approach that we <laughs> took with many of our sales team was that we expected that they would be able to naturally jump right in, understand this and go with it. And as a result, what they would bring back to the shop was a mess. You just, you can't ask a fish to climb a tree and in some cases, but they're excellent in other areas. So it, having them accompanied with a subject matter expert is definitely, or that champion, at least, especially until we have the time and ability to allow people to grow into this and to better wrap their hand, head around it. I think that is the direction we, we need to go right now is to find that champion who by default would also be that subject matter expert in the room to help support the sales team. Excellent. All right. Why don't you fire your next question, Kevin, what's up next? So as a, thinking of it through the lens of a printing company first, in addition to the customer champion or, or the, the product champion, what additional team members did you need to add? What other skill sets did these, or what was the responsibilities of these team members that might've been different from your traditional print operation? And frankly, if you wouldn't mind sharing, and I realize every market's different, but What's some ballpark salary ranges that we should expect? So for me, again, I'm more of a print and mailer. So what I had to do was, I, again, first thing I did was I sourced for a long time. I sourced a lot of my stuff to Dave, to their professional services, and I still do. So I might not have the full answer that you want. I'm sure David and Cece, I know Cece for sure because she has that full suite. Obviously, you need someone who understands the system, needs to be trained on the system, that has uh, programming background knowledge. Currently, we only we have a small staff, and I don't know if I can necessarily share a, a salary because he does multiple things for us, anywhere from creative design, strategy, all the way to helping with some of these pages. I think David and Cece could probably speak to that better. I focus on my core competency, and while we have a small development team, I still utilize Dave probably, I don't want to say more than I should, but probably more than I should, because I think I need to bring more people in. I just still haven't done it because we've been successful. And just to clarify, before you give your reply, CC, when Mike says Dave, he doesn't mean literally Dave that's sitting here, right? We yeah, have an agency definitely team. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, we yes. have an agency. We all know that. We all know yeah, that. Okay, good. I just want to make sure if anybody here in the audience is thinking, wow, what is, how does Dave have all this free time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> CC, what about you? How, how would you respond to that? I, I, I guess I would say, first of all, I don't know where you're located, Kevin. I, I didn't, I'm in San Antonio. Of course, the salary range and all of that is very different, but I will tell you if, if you're going to hire and I would recommend, and that this actually kills two birds with one stone. I would recommend having somebody who has a good understanding, no, a great understanding of marketing, all the different tools of marketing. You can always teach them print. That's the easy, I don't want to say it's easy because we all know it's complicated at times. But you need to have somebody who understands how marketing works. And the good news is not only can they help you sell this and be your champion possibly or your subject expert on how to market, but they can also help you market your own firm. So if you have somebody in-house that's really a marketing expert that's helping you market, you're, you have a marketing coordinator, it's got to be, I think it's got to be somebody like that who you bring in. 
it doesn't have to be somebody with years and years experience. I think there's a lot of very talented young people that are been out of school for a little bit. They took marketing, they have good writing skills, but they understand marketing. I think that's who you need to bring in. And depending on where your market's at, I would Google what's the average for a marketing director position. It's not crazy, but I would tell you, make sure they have great writing skills. They don't necessarily have to have graphic design, I would say, but they need to know what good messaging is and all of that. That's what we were fortunate that I had that background. So when in our company, so I took over that role, but I, I think that having a person that understands marketing, once again, you're selling a service, you're not selling a product. And then that way they, they can go to your client or your potential client and wrap in, okay, you're already doing this. You're already doing this. This is how it all comes together. And then they can also understand how to do the, the measurement and all of that. I, I would say it's anywhere between, you know, depending on the age, the experience of the person, forty-five to $65,000 for that kind of a person is typical in my market. I don't know where everybody else is at. If you're living in California, I'm sure it's a whole nother ball of wax, but there are so many good people out there that really understand marketing and, and don't mistake yourself into thinking that they know how to use WordPress, how to need to program. They know, know how to use all the... They just need to understand the, the discipline of marketing. David, so what about you? How would you answer that question for Kevin? So for us, I think CC's right. You've got to have someone that, that understands marketing and not just marketing, but business, right? Too many of our sales reps, they know how to sell print, but they don't understand business as a whole. For us, we do have that champion, that product manager that understands marketing, but also understands how the product works. And then we do have a, really a, a web developer that is more than a web developer, but we hired them from web development to go into that role. So they're the one that is actually building the campaign on the backside. We talk a lot with our clients, what's the user experience, right? We see, frankly, a lot of our competitors, our print competitors that design either web portals or try to get in this space, it looks like crap. The user experience, there's been no thought to it. So today, everybody expects Amazon, the Amazon experience. So we brought on a really good web designer that is building that those campaigns for us and they get user experience. From a dollar standpoint, again, depends. We're in the Midwest. You're probably in that 50 to 65 range. However, right now, it seems like salaries are going up very quickly. It wouldn't surprise me if it reached higher. Kevin, go ahead and probe around there. What else do you want to know about that specifically? No, I think that that helps. I think, and perhaps this could be in another session, but I, I think the the other aspects of it are just the, the more technical expertise. And David, you leaned into that a little bit as far as just the potentially having some, the, a web dev person in-house. And that is assuming that you, we're not using MindFire to help execute those campaigns, but obviously it's onset. That's my plan is, is that we will likely continue to lean on mine fires. We're able to, to close these and then better identify. And that's some of where I think over time I can still continue to use y'all's help is to better understand again, exactly what are the, the web specific tools that these people might need to bring to the table. We've got a whole bunch of software engineers and, and web dev people that are working on other stuff right now. And even this has seemed outside or foreign to them to a point where, again, I would rather bring someone in with this being their sole focus once we're ready to do so. This is an odd question here, David. I'm going to turn it back to you first, and then I'll go to CC and Mike. Maybe you can think of your answers here. What kind of people should Kevin not hire? Who does he not need or what mistakes have you made in that that you would give him counsel on? Boy, 
I don't know if it differs much from when you're looking at people for your normal business, right? You want to find trustworthy. You want to find people that, that are technology savvy. But I would say is you don't need a, another just print rep or print veteran for it. Too often, I think clients or, or companies in our space, we try to maybe repurpose someone. Oh, let's take mm. the press guy and make him a customer service rep. Let's make the press guy yep. a sales rep. Let's make the press rep now into marketing. That that's while it might plug a hole or fill a hole for the short term, it's not going to advance the organization to to where your real goals are. Dave, I don't know if there's a um, real specific answer to that. Yeah, um, I think it's following through with normal hiring best practices. And I do want to comment one thing. While I do have the developers on staff and I've got a number of them, I do want to put a little plug. Mindfire, we still you know, lean on them at times and they have still, even though they know we've got all the developers in-house, they are still great for us um, as a service organization and to reach back to. Certainly, I would feel comfortable outsourcing a job to Mindfire. Thank you, David. Very kind. And that's money, I think, in terms of what you said regarding repurposing people. I think that we even see that within our own organization. And I see it across clients that we often think, or we have hopes for people of them being able to grow into a role. And sometimes that just doesn't work. CC, what about you? Who would you advise Kevin not hire or perhaps talk about a mistake in hiring that you've made? Fortunately, I haven't had too many mistakes um, on that, but I, I'll tell you, I, I go back um, similar to what David said. I <clears throat> There are people out there that are hungry to learn and to make a difference and to be a sponge and all of that. I always look for people who obviously have their core con- competency of, of understanding marketing, but really people who just want to learn, people who are excited. I also think in your organization, sounds like a very large one, you're going to have to have somebody who's got enough grit to say, hey, Kevin, you hired me to do this and now you're pushing it to the back burner. I want to move forward. You need to have somebody who's got enough confidence to say, I'm taking on this responsibility you've given me. You've empowered me to do it and I'm going to do it. And they're going to they're gonna have enough courage and strength. And I won't say the word grit is a good word to get it done. And I think that they need to be just wanting, just have an incredible desire to learn and to get out there and try things and not be scared to fail. I, I Whenever I hire somebody, I always look at what's their work ethic. What's their, have they proven that they're hungry? for information. Are they a good team player? You can teach them all this other stuff, but if they don't have those basic things, it's a bad hire. But somebody who's confident enough to be able to sit across the room from a a chief marketing officer somewhere in some company, and even if they're young, to be able to feel confident that they know their stuff and be able to present them, present it well. Mike, what do you think? Not much left to say. Those David and Cece answered it pretty well. Being able to think outside the box, don't necessarily, if you hire somebody, if it's not a good fit, get rid of them quick because it's just going to poison. It is going to poison the rest of your rest of the employees. If they, if you don't think they're going to work, get them out quick. Even look at, I know what we're doing is new and it's innovative. That doesn't necessarily mean a young person either. Like Cece said, if it's, if, if they're a sponge and able to learn, I don't care if they're 60, if they understand the, the technology and understand it and can do it and think outside the box and come up with creative solutions and ideas. I think that's what you need. But like I said, the biggest thing is do not keep them around because it will cause more problems in, in your company. I want to give you an opportunity to ask your next question. Go ahead, Kevin. So my last question would be just a, a blank when we've focused today a lot on just getting that, that first step, getting out of the blocks, getting out of neutral, if you will, and starting to uh, ramp up. And 
So what's a question I didn't ask today that you feel like I should have that might help myself and other companies get out of neutral? Mike Robinson, you've always got good insight here. What would you say? Again, like I said at the beginning, I started as a print and mailer and I didn't have the background digital. I didn't have any of this experience. Even if you do have these developers or designers or whatever you guys have, what made us successful, whether it was marketing automation or going from traditional print to variable digital print, we sourced to a value partner. We would find something we partnered in. Mindfire, which we gave everything to them. Now we've taken some stuff back. Uh, before we bought our digital presses, we sourced to a digital press and someone who else was doing that to start sourcing that business to there. They have the knowledge. They have the expertise. Most people are willing to partner with you and say, hey, look, I'm about to get into your into this similar type of business. I've got a lot of business coming. I'd like to partner with you until I can generate the volume or the expertise to ramp up. That's what I would recommend for you or anybody that's trying to get into something that either doesn't have the full expertise or not is partner with somebody who knows what they're doing to share that information with your team so they can pick it up at some point in time and say, okay, you know what? It's been five months, six months. We got it now. I think we can now start transitioning it over to us. And now we can be that total solution internally versus the total solution with partners. CC, what about you? What did Kevin not ask that he should have? How do you price this? Mm. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back to my sweet friend, Joe Manis, what's it worth to them? This is probably the biggest mistake you'll make as a printer is you'll think, oh gosh, that, that seems high. If you're talking to the right person, you would be shocked at how much money they spend on marketing, on things that they can't even measure. You would be shocked. So when you're ready to price this, and obviously there's hours, there's whoever's doing it, if you're going to outsource it to my floor or whatever, but I want you to stop and think, let's say you're going to do, I'm going to use one that we used campaigns for a home builder. How many houses does he have to sell to get a return on investment? Like a garage. So I want you to think about it that way. Don't think about how much does it cost you? I've obviously got to put that in there, but I have never had somebody come back and go, wow, that that's a lot of money. Cause I always come back and say, the first question I ask when we first start is, how, what, how many new clients or how many conversions do you have to pay this off? And they usually, they'll tell you, oh, I need two. Okay. And then it becomes a no brainer. So don't undersell it. Don't undersell it. The good news is uh, folks, if you're wanting to know more about that, and I know Kevin, you've got a lot of questions about that as well. The next session, we're going to be talking about two aspects related to what CC just said. How do you market? In other words, how do you get your customers aware of this kind of solution? I saw Rebecca ask the question, like, how do you demo this to clients? And then right on the backside of that as well, we're going to be talking about how do you sell it? How do you price it? And we've got some uh, a great panel lined up to help Kevin and the community understand that. David, what did Kevin not ask today that you think he should have? It might be a lead into the next session, but it's great. Marketing is a big topic. There's all different areas. There's different verticals. There's, there, where do we go? Where do we start with this? And we made mistake of let's go to every client with it. What we've learned now is where are some verticals that we're good in or that complement today? And how do I develop my, we'll say my omni-channel program in that vertical that I already have some extra knowledge in. So whether it's higher education, whether it's retail, whether it's financial, whether it's healthcare. So I think that's one. But then the other one we're seeing some successes 
maybe not industry vertical, but say product vertical. So we do a lot of fulfillment services. Boy, you can add some opti-channel programs on the back end of fulfilling product to end consumers that then kicks off lead nurturing campaigns that happen over time. So don't necessarily go to every client right away. Think about internally, where are some strengths for you today and how can you add on? I want to make sure everybody is aware, and then I'm going to give, go back to you, Kevin, here. I mentioned this, but I want to show you just a few of the people that Kevin's got lined up, that we've got lined up for the next session. Again, if you're not signed up for this one, or if there's somebody else in your organization that you think should be, please let us know there in the chat. Give us their name and their email, and we'll make sure in about two weeks' time that you're here when we talk about how do you effectively market and sell these types of campaigns. And uh, we've got... Mike Robinson's uh, counterpart, if you will, Ben Shank. He mentioned Ben just a few moments ago. If you want to hear from a guy, and Mike, I think uh, you would agree with me here, but if you want to hear from one of the, the most tenacious mother effers out there, right, <laughs> who can go after a customer and provide them value and never stop and figure out how to get these kinds of solutions into the hands of multi-hundred million dollar size companies, we've got a few that are uh, billion dollar companies, if you want to hear from somebody who's been able to do it, make sure you're at this session with Ben. Shanna from Pixa Creative is another good uh, resource who's can, uh, able to share this kind of information with you. Andrew Edinger at The Best Postcard. So make sure you're at that session. If that's something that's, that's useful to you, I'm sure that many of you are wondering how they do that. And then in the third session, by the way, we have maybe a change of date on that. We've got a trade show that might be conflicting there. But then in the third session, if you want to learn how to continue to provide value to your customers using these campaigns. One of the things we haven't really touched on today is, look, these are not one and done. If you do these right, when you create effective opti-channel campaigns for your clients, you're able to build longer-term relationships with your clients. You're able to weave your organization's tentacles into that organization, into your customer, and drive significant value for them and for you. So that's what we're going to be talking about here in the third, or, uh, third session. I'm going to shut up. Kevin, I'm going to throw it back to you. Go ahead and ask your next question. Do you have another question here? I, I, I don't know that I do. As far as today, this is this has been. I'm still just chewing on all this. My, as I mentioned earlier, my head's spinning a little. I, I know there were there were questions from the I guess the attendees. Perhaps yep. those are where you'd want to turn next. But um, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll fire the those real quick. I wanted to hear. So thank you. Yeah, I'll. I'll... I'll fire those real quick. I'll maybe pick who I think can, can answer them. And then uh, panel, I put you all on the screen. So raise your hand if you think you can answer to one of these questions. And one of the questions that came in from Mark, I think Mark's over there in the UK. He says, how do you overcome the barrier of selling these types of solutions to clients who already have marketing automation platforms? Mike, I'm going to turn that one over to you because I know you have an answer there. And CC, I see your hand as well. So go ahead, Mike, and then we'll go to CC. It's about value and what you can offer. So... There are a bunch of other people that you, they say they do marketing automation. So you really need to dig in to find out exactly what they do and not to push your product, Dave, but you, yours is a hub that if they have components of marketing automation, you know what, keep using them. Your system can push still to that piece. If they don't do, if their version of marketing automation is email and, and that's it, your system can handle, fine, we'll push the email over to you you want to do SMS, ringless voicemail, other items, social, whatever, do that. But you need to find out exactly when they say they do marketing automation, already have a solution. Find out truly what it is because they probably don't have the full suite and you can bring those additional services in. Once you bring those additional services in and start utilizing them, 
then it's typically easier to pull that one or two items away from that other solution and bring it in as a total turnkey. Cece, what do you do in that yeah. situation? I agree. I, I dig in and say, what are you using? And they'll tell me, I say, okay, so you have, an, have a marketing automation. Are you being, are you able to measure it? Are you able to measure your success? And, and that's when they, we know how many people opened it. We know how many people uh, clicked on it, what, whatever. But I'm like, no, can you really tell how much, what was converted? And so then that just starts the conversation. But I always say, good for you. You're always ahead of the game. Most people don't have any marketing automation. And then it's usually an email campaign. Mm -hmm. And then I go back into the slide that we all heard of. And I did some research on, on how many marketing messages do people get a, a day? I've heard 2,900. The latest I've heard is anywhere between 4,000 and 10,000. So to think that you can use one media to reach someone is a little naive. Exactly. I just dig in a little bit deeper, compliment it. If it maybe work together, but really it comes down to how they measure it. And does measurement really go to ROI opposed to just clicks and open? That's very helpful. Let me do one more and then I'm going to ask the audience a question. It's time for you to be grilled, folks. Uh, this question came in from Mark. Mark asked, why should prospects use our services when they have a system in-house with staff to manage their campaigns? Panel, raise your hand if you think you have a response to that. Why should folks... Okay, go ahead, Cece. One, and you know what? It's not one or the other. It can complement. You can have people in-house, but hopefully you're selling a lot more. And the people in-house, you have a limited amount of capacity, right? It's not a press. I keep telling my husband, my people are not a press. I can't run them 24-7. It's good that you have it in-house and that's great, but hopefully you're selling so many that you need some other support to keep the other parts going so that you can scale faster. But the other side about it is they bring expertise. They've have all this experience of doing all these and they'll say, you know what, we did this one time and here's how we did it. And it worked really well. Uh, we have a similar experience where we, they can talk about, they, they become a partner in helping you develop a better campaign. It's not one or the other. It's about when do you need them? Any other panel members want to respond to that? Okay. All right, let me ask the audience a question here, and then I'm going to give you, Kevin, the final word here to round us out today. But folks, here's the question for you. All of you that are here in Facebook, on LinkedIn, and here in Zoom with us, what was the one thing that stood out to you today? Maybe something that Kevin asked that gave you a new insight or a new idea, or maybe something that the panel, Cece, David, or Mike, something they shared they gave you a nugget. Maybe you wrote it down on, on in your notepad or uh, on your iPad and you said, you know what, that's the thing I need to think about. That's the thing that I need to put into action. Please take a moment to think about that. I want to read a few of those off because it's useful to you to hear what others are thinking. Put that in the comments here in Zoom. Put that in LinkedIn and Facebook. Mark says that, thank you for your comment on marketing automation. That was really useful. You're welcome, Mark. I'm glad that was useful to you. I want to hear from everyone else as well. What's something that stood out today? Joe is saying, thank you to CC, David, and Mike. Yep, absolutely. We appreciate the panel. Chris is saying, I must be prepared or we must be prepared to invest in dedicated personnel with the appropriate skill sets to own the solutions. Jay is saying the champion and subject matter expert. I think that resonated with a lot of people, Kevin. That was a good piece of insight that you pulled out there. Beth is saying it validated everything that I've been thinking. Thank you to the panel. Let's see. Mark is saying per CC, how many conversions does the client need to pay off the campaign? So that insight that you gave CC, that was helpful. Ruben is saying without a champion supporting the sales team, that what you get is like asking a fish to climb a tree. I love it. I saw a lot of people who said that, who said the, the fish thing? Who was that? I don't remember. That was you, Kevin? Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of people that uh, really resonated with that. Todd says, overall, the experience and insights from the panel was really valuable. Not one thing, everything. Larry Trainer is saying that having a champion was useful. Wonderful, folks. I'm glad this was useful to you. Find Fire Team once more. If you can drop that URL in, folks, if you want to talk more one-on-one -on -one about this and how we can help you, we would love to have some time on the calendar next week to talk this through, help your organization take the next steps and uh, achieve uh, the things that you're looking to do in the rest of 2021 and into 2022. With that, Kevin, I'm going to give you the opportunity to have the final word here. Sure. Thank you. And first of all, I did not come up with the fish climbing. It's, it's part of a larger quote that I could share with the group later, but the sentiment is there. So I don't want to um, pretend that I invented that particular <laughs> quote. In any case, I think if, if there is a last question or closing thought from the panelists, one of the things I think that might help other organizations get unstuck is to um, hear from you just in a few words, what is this, what has been the business impact of for your organization by offering these services? That's a great question. Let's go left to right on my screen. I see Mike Robinson first. So Mike, talk about business impact. I, I, it's hard to even put a dollar value to it because once we've gone to marketing automation, we 2X, 3X, 4X our, our, our sales and growth from 2008. I mean, adding that additional value of not being just a print and mailer, be able to offer additional services to give people multiple ways to respond to marketing advertisements, whether it's, you know, email, landing pages, call in, whatever. Without this, we'd be significantly less in revenue, for sure. David, what about you? You're next on my screen. As I started in the beginning, I said our organization's goal is to bring more value to our clients. And I think this is probably, not probably, it's the single biggest place we bring more value to our clients. Because there's a lot of us on this call that can print that can do fulfillment, that can mail, that can do all that. But as we're hearing, not all of us get marketing or get the opti-channel opti approach. At the end of the day, it makes us more connected with our clients. It makes those clients stickier and it makes the clients and us more profitable. Beautiful. What about you? I'm going to take a little bit of a different perspective. What it's done for us is it's allowed us to get new clients for our other services as well. So I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. We've been marketing to the same clients. I did, I, I, I met a client back, a potential client back in 2016. I did some projects um, for them and I just kept them on my list and I could tell that they would open an email or they would land on that landing page or something like that. Just got reached out to me uh, a few weeks ago and wanting a website proposal. And, and another one that we're currently working on right now is the same thing. I just kept them on the list. They kept experiencing the campaign and I could tell that they looked at it or whatever. And then whenever the time was appropriate, I'd send business development person out there to just check in with them. And we brought one in that way. It works and it works for yourself as well. So don't just think about what you're doing for your clients. Think about what it's going to do for your own business. It definitely helps. And marketing does work if you make it a way of doing business. Amen. Preach it. Thank you, panel. Thank you, Mike Robinson. Thank you, David. Thank you, Cece, for your time. I know I've kept you 15 minutes past where we were slated to be, but I think the community really appreciates you. I can see the comments here. I can see the thank yous coming in. I think you can as well. And I want to thank you, Kevin. It's, um, it's uncommon that someone would have the courage to say, hey, not only am I going to admit that I need help, which is the first step towards recovery, but also that I want to get this help in public and I'm willing to be vulnerable and ask these questions 
as a way of not only learning for our organization, but also of giving back to the community. So thank you for doing that, Kevin. I appreciate you and your company. And folks, if you got value out of this, thank you. I wanna see you at the next uh, session where we're gonna go one step deeper and talk about how to market and sell. And then make sure you're also back for that third one as well. I'm going to officially bring us to a close. Thank you all for your time today. I know that your time is the most valuable asset that you have. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you giving your time to us today. We'll see you all soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Really quick, I just wanted to let you know, we've just opened up a texting community, which means that you can text me questions right now. And I'm spending anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes a day answering questions from people like you that are listening to the podcast. So I want you to stop and pull out your phone right now and text me at 949 506 58 Three, five. Or if you're listening to us right now on a podcast player, let's say on your phone, maybe you're going for a run or going on a walk, you can go to the description of this podcast right now, go click on it. And my team has put the number and a link that you can click on to make the process even easier for you to text me. Okay. So look at that or write it down 949-506-5835. And when you text me, just say, hello, Dave, it's, you know, whatever your name is and it will add you to my phone and then it's going to shoot you back a message where you can add me to your phone and we can then talk from that point forward okay i'm going to be giving away tips links to live interviews free stuff quotes frameworks training links only things that you can get through this texting platform and also something specific for our friends in the print and agency community you know we come across leads all the time for print work and agency work things that as a software company you know we just don't do but I think many of you probably wanna know about those things. And we come across these leads in places that you're probably not frequenting. So if you want to be able to get those leads, I also send those through text to this community. So if that's helpful to you, pull out your phone, text me at 949-506-5835. Or like I said, if you're listening on a podcast player on your phone, you can go to the description. My team has put the number as well as a link that I think you can click and it'll make it even easier for you to text me. I can't wait to hear from you. See you later. Bye-bye.